What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Greetings, my friends, patriots, lovers of democracy, truth, and justice, believers in peace, freedom, and the American way. I want to get into the possibility that Donald Trump may, one, rig the upcoming election, or is actually reaching out for help at rigging the election. And number two, is preparing a a huge campaign that I'm guessing they're going to start rolling out in a big way early next year. And, you know, we'll see. I mean, maybe they can make this a, a big enough issue before the end of this year, but I'm guessing for maximum political impact, this is something that they're testing right now and they're going to roll out next year. And I'll get to that in just a second. But to start with this, Edward Luce has been writing for the Financial Times for as long as I've been reading it. Um, he's a solid guy and does not engage in histrionics. I mean, it's, it's the Financial Times, for goodness sakes. And I've, I've always found Edward Luce's insights fascinating, and he's got a piece in the Financial Times, and it's titled, How Donald Trump Can Manipulate the 2020 Election. Now, again, keep in mind, this is from a voice that is as establishment as you can get, and generally as nonpartisan as you can get. Edward Luce and the Financial Times, they're all about money, finance. So anyhow, he points out, he starts out by saying Donald Trump, as the saying goes, should be taken literally as well as seriously. And he talks about how Trump is saying that he's going to run for president again in 2024 and he's going to be president in 2026 when we host the World Cup and all this kind of stuff. But then he says, he, he mentions the Mueller report. And he says the Mueller report, quote, showed that the Trump campaign was willing to take any help the Kremlin could provide. Mr. Mueller also cited 10 instances where Mr. Trump allegedly obstructed justice to try to block his inquiry. Edward Luce goes on to point out Mr. Trump is openly inviting more interference in 2020, whether it comes from Russia, North Korea or Israel or another country with an interest in his reelection is beside the point. He has ensured the burial of a bill to protect America's voting infrastructure, the Secure Elections Act. This is the bill that Mitch McConnell will not allow to come to a, the floor of the Senate for a vote. It already passed the House. Nancy Pelosi got this legislation passed. Mitch McConnell will not consider it. In July, Edward Luce writes, Mr. Mueller said 2020 foreign election interference was already underway. And then he points out Rudy Giuliani, 
Trump's personal lawyer, he doesn't work for our government, he's Trump's personal lawyer, is now the subject of a congressional inquiry over claims that Trump is withholding $250 million of U.S. aid to the newly elected pro-Western government of Ukraine, unless or until Ukraine investigates Joe Biden. Joe Biden's son, Hunter, landed a well-paying position on the board of a Ukrainian company while his dad was vice president, and Trump wants to turn this into a scandal. And Edward Luce points out, he also, Trump also wants Mr. Zelensky, that's the new president of Ukraine, to investigate whether Ukraine helped Hillary Clinton in 2016. Now, Luce points out neither claim withstands much scrutiny, but he says, Number one, this shows how far Trump will go. And number two, imagine the rewards to a company that helps reelect him. I mean, is this why Trump is being so nice to Russia and Putin? Trump's scope for domestic shenanigans is even greater. Under the U.S. Constitution, and this is pretty shocking, it is the vice president, in this case Mike Pence, who certifies presidential election results. And he says if they could manufacture some doubt on, you know, he doesn't say Fox News, but I will, or right-wing hate radio, about, say, the results in Pennsylvania or Michigan or, you know, pick your state. Whatever the state is that makes whoever the Democratic nominee is as president, then Pence could say, you know, I have some doubts about this. I'm not going to certify the outcome. Well, then it goes to the House of Representatives under the Constitution. And while the Democrats control a majority of the members of the House of Representatives, under the Constitution, when the House of Representatives certifies an election, each state gets one vote. And there are more states controlled by Republicans in the House of Representatives, well, in the United States, than there are states controlled by Democrats. So the Republicans, if they go along with Trump, could simply say, no, we're not going to certify the election. You're still president. This is in the financial friggin' times. But the strategy that I think that they're going to use beyond that, I mean, this is, this is the, that's their firewall. But they are ginning this thing up. Fox News, this is fascinating, and there's a great report on this over at Talking Points Memo, which is where I first encountered this story on uh, last Friday, Tony Sneed writing. And he points out that according to Media Matters, Fox News has done 53 segments since May about how bad homelessness is in cities that are run by Democrats, specifically San Francisco and Los Angeles, in California, a blue state. Attorney Sneed notes the campaign bears similarities to Trump's attacks on immigrants and his smear of cities like Baltimore as being, quote, disgusting rat and rodent infested mess. So what do we think is coming? I'm of the opinion that, and by the way, uh, we had a caller in the last hour. I mentioned this, that I was going to talk about this in, in this hour, in the last hour of the program. And a caller, I believe in Seattle, called up and said that the local Sinclair-owned station has done two major investigative reports on homelessness in Seattle. Like, oh my God, you know, these liberals who run Seattle are making the situation of homelessness even worse. Really? The author of this piece on, on uh, Talking Points Memo, Attorney Sneed, describing the Fox News coverage of homelessness in California, never mentions the fact that the Trump administration has actually cut housing benefits 
and we'll get into how to solve homelessness in a fairly straightforward way. The state of Utah has solved homelessness, 90% drop in homelessness in Utah. I'll tell you how they did that in just a few minutes. But he notes the commentary on Fox News has also included some extremely nasty rhetoric toward homeless people themselves. This is very similar to the way that Fox News covered the migrant caravan coming from Central America. Jesse Waters, he's a co-host of The Five. He described the homeless as, quote, drugged out zombies chasing barefoot babies through piles of garbage and said that we should bulldoze their community and institutionalize them until they detoxify. Tucker Carlson did a five-day Homelessness in America series back in May harping about junkies in San Francisco, quote, shooting up in broad daylight and homeless people wielding makeshift knives. So now we've got this feedback loop. Fox News is doing 53 segments on this since May. And Donald Trump sending Ben Carson and maybe Trump himself. I mean, there are reports that Tuesday and Wednesday of this week, Trump is going to Los Angeles and San Francisco specifically to trash liberal-run cities with regard to homelessness. And according to the Washington Post, Trump officials have already gone to California and checked out an old facility that the FAA used to have, presumably giant airplane hangars, as a possible place to relocate homeless people. So we're going to create internment camps for homeless people? Now here's where it gets really magic. What Trump is doing is tying homelessness in big cities run by Democrats to the word socialism and describing blue cities as having tents and horrible, disgusting conditions. These are quotes from Trump that he is testing out in his rallies. If you don't watch Fox News and you don't watch Trump rallies, you probably don't know about this. But I guarantee you, everybody in red state America does. Trump, uh, when he went to when uh, he went to the House GOP re- retreat on Thursday, he said Republicans quote are going to fight for the future of cities like Baltimore that have been destroyed by decades of failed and corrupt rule. He described a left wing agenda of total government domination. This is these are Trump's words before the Republicans last Thursday. A left-wing agenda of total government domination, crushing regulation, crippling taxes, unrestricted migration, undermining law enforcement. So the same way that they blamed immigrants and then used that as a political thing, now they're saying that the Democrats welcoming immigrants is part of the problem also. Brian Kilmeade on Fox and Friends said California is, quote, making a choice. Illegals, these are Brian Kilmeade's words, illegals are more important than the people on the street who obviously need medical attention. Lou Dobbs, immigrants should be thrilled because they're getting more benefits in many cases than destitute Americans. Trump is going to be in San Francisco on Tuesday and Los Angeles on Wednesday, according to the LA Times. So what do we do about this? Well, you want to solve homelessness in America? Give people houses. Utah figured out that they were spending an average of $40,000 a person on treating homeless people in emergency rooms, in jails, with police and everything. So they said, hey, screw this. We're going to give them housing. It's called Housing First. And probably informed by, by you know, the, the Mormon tradition of helping each other out. 
and the state decreased their chronic homelessness by 91%. They simply gave homeless people houses. It's really simple. But Trump isn't going to do that. In fact, he's cutting funding for housing for homeless people. And him and Fox News and Sinclair Broadcasting are going to turn this into, I predict, one of the major campaign themes of the 2020 campaign. You elect a Democrat, all of America is going to look just like that street in San Francisco with homeless people on it. You know, until last year, I'd never endorsed a weight loss product, but decided to change that after reading about university research into a molecule in olive oil that regulates appetite. My wife convinced me there was one that was worth sharing, and a year later, I had to say she was right. Louise said once her appetite and cravings were under control, losing weight was easy, and she's kept it off. And now Sean is trying Ridgizone, too. Sean really is liking Ridgizone, uh, says she's not hungry between meals and feels full longer, and finally has her sweet tooth under control. Plus, the fact that the only ingredient in Ridgizone occurs naturally in the body and is completely non-stimulant appealed to Louise and to Sean as well. And it would to me, too, if I was struggling with weight. Sean says she's really impressed. Listen, if you're looking to lose weight this season, I strongly suggest you give non-prescription Ridgizone a try. Use the promo code TOM, T-H-O-M, and receive up to 65% off plus free shipping. Go to Ridgizone.com. That's R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E.com. Ridgizone, R-I-D-U-Zone.com. Promo code TOM. Ridgezone.com. This is the Tom Hartman Program. It's the Tom Hartman University Book Club, and today we're reading from Cracking the Code, How to Win Hearts, Change Minds, and Restore America's Original Vision. We're reading from Chapter 1, and it starts out talking about how the liberal and conservative worldviews are grounded in different fundamental philosophies. It goes back to the 1600s, the 17th century, and in the 1630s, Thomas Hobbes wrote a book called Leviathan, in which he argued that human nature is essentially evil and that without the iron fist of church or state, life would be nasty, short, and brutish back, you know, before civilization. Fifty years later, John Locke in the 1670s wrote a book called Second Treatise on Government, in which he posited that human nature was actually good and that the purpose of government was to help bring out that goodness. And so Hobbes established the modern conservative worldview. Locke established the modern liberal worldview. And in fact, Locke's work from the Second Treatise on Government was even quoted by Thomas Jefferson in the Declaration of Independence. Locke had said, you know, fundamental rights are life, liberty, and private property. Jefferson changed that since private property had been legalized by 1776 to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So on with chapter one. This is from page 27. Being liberal or conservative isn't a matter of where you stand on any particular issue. Some conservatives are very concerned about global warming. Some liberals oppose abortion. What makes people conservative or liberal is which story they believe at their core about the true nature of human beings. Conservatives view the world as a dangerous and evil place and believe people to be fundamentally selfish. Humans, they believe, create institutions to protect us from ourselves by constraining and channeling evil human nature in productive and positive ways. The main purpose of government is to protect, mainly through the instrument of police, prisons, and armies. Liberals view the world as a natural and harmonious place and believe people to be fundamentally good. The purpose of government, therefore, in addition to protecting us from the occasional nut job, is to help us all achieve our highest potential by providing things that will expand education, skills, and economic opportunities. After 9-11, George W. Bush was able to use the communication code that we talk about in this book to persuade many liberals to temporarily believe the conservative story. 
He used the communication code so effectively, he was able to convince Americans that Saddam Hussein, who is actually a secular nationalist, was personally connected to the Islamic fundamentalist jihadis who carried out the 9-11 attacks. Many Americans, in fact, still believe that. It's interesting to note that Hobbes was writing at a time of great poverty and upheaval in England in the 1630s. He noted how poverty makes people desperate, and desperate people can be dangerous people. London was filled with them, and he assumed that such poverty and criminal behavior was the norm of all societies that were, quote, civilized. Locke, on the other hand, was writing 50 years later as the East India Company and British colonialism were having considerable economic successes. The Enlightenment was taking hold, and a more substantial middle class emerged in England. He looked at the behavior of London's emerging middle class as a more accurate reflection of the natural state of humanity. Conservatives may well be right about the true nature of people when they're desperate. Liberals may well be right about the true nature of people when their basic needs are met and they feel safe and secure. The history of social interaction from tribal times to civilization to today has been about providing safety and security, sometimes more successfully than other times. Whereas safe, secure people do creative and positive things, desperate people do desperate things. For example, before the United States invaded Iraq, there had never in that 7,000-year history of that nation been a recorded incident of a suicide bomber killing random civilians. Never. After a year of sporadic electricity, no clean water, constant strife, and the heavy foot of a foreign occupier, suicide bombers suddenly became relatively common in Iraq. One lesson of this has to do with the importance of liberal civil society to maintain democracy and of democracy to maintain liberal civil society. But war is not a form of civility. It's the ultimate failure of civility. Because it is legalized mass murder, it is rightly relegated to the measure of last resort by civilized people the world over. Thus, the majority of the civilized world was horrified when the United States launched a preemptive war on Iraq without the authorization of the United Nations. Yet many Americans bought the initial sales pitch for the war, even as the rest of the world looked on in horror. I quote George Bush's smoking gun mushroom cloud speech, and then say, This speech uses many of the tools and techniques you'll learn in this book. It's pretty clear that Bush is pushing the panic button, appealing directly to our very primitive fight-or-flight reaction. Less obviously, however, he's using language designed to engage our three most basic senses, seeing, hearing, and feeling. He's also using an even more subtle hypnotic technique called future pacing to create a kind of trance state that will make us more likely to agree with him that we'll talk about in this book. The communications techniques Bush used to persuade us to go to war in Iraq are not evil in and of themselves. They are value neutral. Franklin Roosevelt used them to sell the New Deal. Lincoln used the code to motivate soldiers to win the Civil War and end slavery. Yet when Lincoln and FDR used the communication code to push through an idea, their story stuck because it was fundamentally honest. Bush's story was not honest and therefore ultimately didn't stick. The difference between Bush and Lincoln and between Bush and FDR is simple and has nothing to do with conservative or liberal. Bush simply lied to us. There, there was no smoking gun. Bush persuaded the American people to invade Iraq by motivating them to avoid the gathering threat against us, Bush's words, when there was no immediate threat, at least not from Saddam, as Hans Blix was telling the United Nations as recently as a week before our invasion of Iraq. And then we talk about an ecology check, making sure that the words you're using will produce the outcome you want. The book is Cracking the Code. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Mark my words. In the meantime, the private prison companies are no doubt trying to figure out, how can we get in on this? (laughs) 
Tom Hartman here with you, and we've been talking, speculating, thinking about how Donald Trump might manipulate the 2020 election and what his campaign strategy is going to be. I guarantee you this is coming. It's coming in a big way. Get ready. And the really easy answer is that it costs less, and the state of Utah has proven this, it costs less to provide homeless people with housing than it does to provide all these other services that we're providing to the homeless, including putting them in jail, dealing with the problems of living on the street, dealing with their medical problems, dealing with their psychiatric problems. Uh, you know, sometimes I mean, some homeless people are homeless just because they lost their job. Their unemployment benefits ran out. We had a woman call into the show last week who's living in her vehicle. Homelessness is not, you know, people say, oh, it's a mental health issue. Well, some. But it looks like only a small percentage of the homeless population, it varies from city to city, but you know, between 2 and 10% of the homeless population are, quote, mentally ill people who really you know, need an aggressive help. The vast majority of the homeless population are simply people who lack houses or housing. And there are more empty houses in the United States, houses that have been bought by foreigners as investments or as in the case of a lot of Trump properties, money laundering vehicles, there are more empty houses in the United States than there are homeless people. The one way that the Democrats could get ahead of this, and if anybody in Democratic leadership is listening, please consider putting together national legislation to do what, at a federal level, what Utah is doing at a state level, and help out the states to do this. The cost of housing every homeless person in the United States is less than $20 billion a year. I've seen estimates from 18 to $20 billion a year. That is a drop in the federal budget. It's a tiny drop in the federal budget. We spend, we're spending $700 billion a year on our military. We could end homelessness, as a lot of other countries have done, by the way, by simply giving homeless people housing. And once they get housing, the vast majority of them, uh, those with mental health problems, of course, they need, you know, mental health housing. Keep in mind, half of the people in our jails have mental health problems, which is not so much tied to homelessness. But we can address all of this at one time in a fairly straightforward fashion. Let's get out there and do it. You're listening to the Tom Hartman Program. Democrats, get ready. we got to get ahead of this homeless thing before the Republicans, Sinclair Broadcasting and Fox News, bring it down on our heads like a ton of bricks. with you and Alan in Springdale, Utah. Hey, Alan, what's on your mind today? I told your screener I wanted to talk about gentrification, but that's just kind of a buzzword for something that's maybe bigger than that. But unaffordable housing is a problem that's spreading to more and more of the country. Right. That's, that's my understanding. And, um, you know, I'm in a tiny town next to a national park, but 50 miles away, there's a bigger town, St. George. St. George's economy has always depended on kind of real estate booms. 
since my family comes from there, I've, I've seen it go through this cycle over the decades. There was a big boom leading up to savings and L, uh, savings loan crash in 87 and then picked up again a few years later and crested just before the crash of 07, 08. St. George's economy is kind of built on real estate development. So mm -hmm. what I'm getting at is anytime you have, you know, flows of money and wealth going from one part of the country to another, as in baby boomers retiring to St. George because it's got a nice climate or people fleeing Los Angeles because of crime or whatever, you get more and more unaffordable real estate. Right. We're seeing that here and in Portland. There's, there's a, over the last 20 years or so, there's been a huge influx of people coming from California because housing is half as expensive here as it is in, in San Francisco or Los Angeles. And it's really right. put a strain on our on our infrastructure, particularly our, our highways. Route 5 now that goes north and south through the city is a parking lot half the day. Well, your last caller talked about people living in RVs. And right. I'm seeing them all over the place. Maybe it's just because it's been on my mind, but I'm seeing so many RVs parked in people's driveways or near their homes than there were a few years ago. And yeah. I, I'm guessing a lot of those, you know, people letting someone with an RV live there for rent. And so, you know, I don't know what we're going to do. If your, your earlier caller is right, I'm, I'm sure that the Republicans are going to use it in the upcoming election. I've, I've seen some of that same reporting. I don't watch Fox News at home, hardly ever, but in the gym or... Yeah, no, Fox has done 53 uh, segments on this since yeah, May. They, naturally, they're showing footage of just the worst of the worst of, of a homeless situation. You know, they're showing mm -hmm. uh, really old, decrepit people with a grocery cart full of junk and just litter all over. Right. And, and that's you know, a small portion of the homeless. The, the, the people who are, you know, paranoid schizophrenics, the people who are mentally ill, who, who really need services. This is, these are the services that Reagan did away with back in the day. Those people are, depending on where you are and what part of the country you are, there's, they're between 2 and 10% of the total homeless population. They're a very small percentage. Um, the vast majority of homeless people are people who have just fallen on hard times and, and they got wiped out. Alan, I need to move along, but thank you. Your point is really well made, particularly about the gentrification that's coming along with uh, unaffordable housing. Gail in Middlesbrough, Kentucky. Hey, Gail, what's up? I was just calling about the homeless situation. We've never had a homeless problem, any homeless people that I, we know of in our small town here. But this summer, we're just, uh, you know, everyone's talking about them. All of a sudden, there's a lot of them. Hmm. And they're mostly on bicycles mm -hmm. and walking. And I'm just, for one thing, like you said about the mental, the state mental health hospital shutdown, I think that hurt yeah. us a lot. And I'm so surprised. Well, not really. When I talk to my uh, church-going friends and family, they're all down on these people, and they talk about them like they were worse than a stray dog. Yeah. And the few churches that are feeding them, I've heard uh, them say, well, these churches need to stop feeding them even, and we really don't know what to do. And like you said, they'll probably blame it on the Democrats somehow. Oh, they're, they're, they already are, and they're, and they're going to amp it up. I mean, this is... They're going to say it's democratic socialism that causes homelessness. And if you want proof, just look at San Francisco. 
and this is why Trump is going to San Francisco this week to highlight this issue. They are preparing a full court press on this, and I really hope the Democrats get ahead of it. Because if I they do don't, too. if they don't, it's going to be a it's going to be a real mess come uh, come November. It's interesting how you can kind of see, you know, they they telegraph their moves, and and it's this feedback loop between Fox News who have some very, very, very bright strategists, political strategists, and Donald Trump, who watches Fox News all day long. So, Gail, thanks for the report from Kentucky. Remarkable story. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Well, CBD is all over the place, and there was a big news report this morning about how there's actually phony CBD stuff out there. Some of these CBD products don't even have CBD. Another good reason to buy CBD from New Leaf Naturals. New Leaf Naturals, NU Leaf Naturals CBD oil is the real thing. CBD oil is non-intoxicating, which makes it ideal for people who want the health benefits of cannabinoids without the mind-altering effects. It's non-toxic, it's a potent pain reliever, and has anti-inflammatory properties. And the brand I trust the most is New Leaf Naturals, NU Leaf Naturals. It's the highest quality CBD oil in the market, 100% organic, highly concentrated, no additional additives, grown in the USA. The only ingredient is hemp, so it remains in its most pure and simple form. Go to newleafnaturals.com, that's newleafnaturals.com, and save 30% off and get free shipping in the U.S. when you use the code TOM, spelled T-H-O-M. Go to newleafnaturals.com for premium cannabinoid wellness. There's only one place, newleafnaturals.com. Alex in Tacoma, Washington. Hey, Alex, what's on your mind today? Yeah, I just heard you saying that Trump's platform for the election is going to be that cities' homelessness is caused by being run by liberals and that infestation and stuff. And And socialism. It's funny. Well, no, for the past six months or about a year, our local Fox affiliate in Seattle has just been shoving it down our throats about the homeless crisis and how the city leaders are responsible. And and they made, like, two documentaries. One of them was, Seattle is dying. The homelessness are killing us. And it's just, it strikes me as as crazy as the local Fox affiliate would be shoving it down our throats so hard, so much so that I was like, why are, I know it's bad, but why are they doing this? And that's, this is the perfect city for them to say, oh, look, look what's happening in Seattle. Yeah. Yeah. Not surprising, Alex, and not surprising that it's the local Fox affiliate. I'm guessing probably the Sinclair stations are going to get on this. I'm just I'm just waving the flag. Well, they I'm, are. I'm warning they are people. on it, too. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. Alex, and, thanks for the call. Expect to see a hell of a lot more of this coming. I mean, it's it's definitely coming. Paul Revere here. The Redcoats are coming. This is this is going to be the red strategy. Paul in Woodenville, Washington. Hey, Paul, what's up? Hi, Tom. Well, if this is the first you're hearing, about the homeless being a political issue for the Republicans, I got news for you. That train left the station a long time ago. Yeah, apparently Fox has been on this since May. That's when they started doing this in a big way. Three years ago. For the last three years. For the last three years, since Trump took office, I would say for sure, maybe even before that. But, yes, the Sinclair-owned station, KVI in Seattle, all they talk about is the homeless. Really? KVI is owned by Como Broadcasting, KOML Broadcasting. It's owned by Sinclair now. And also the competitor, KTTH, which is owned by Bonneville, which is Bonneville Broadcasting. 
they do the same thing. But harping on the homeless being the problem, and it's and here's the, here's what their argument is that homeless people are coming here because of our liberal policies, and it's not a matter of a lack of affordable housing in the Seattle area. And I'll give you the criteria. King County criteria is that you had to have been living here at least six months and have had come from a stable housing situation. In other words, you can't come here from somewhere else and never have had a home. You don't count as being from here. But if you lived here six months, now they will contest that. This is a Sinclair KVI radio station. Their evidence is just ask any cop. That's what they'll tell you. Ask any cop, and these people are not from here. They're from someplace else. And then they go out and they interview people. Now, there are 22,000 claims for homeless claims for King County every year. There are less than 5,000 shelter beds in King County. So there's even if every one of them wanted to go to a shelter, they couldn't. But they focus on those that are kind of the street urchins, drug addicts who don't want to don't want to get off the street right and your occasional paranoid schizophrenic who doesn't trust anybody and won't go into a facility the genuinely mentally ill the thing that i thought was astonishing about what utah did you know if you were homeless and you wanted to get aid you had to prove that you didn't have any criminal convictions that you were a resident of the state of utah they had all these hoops that you had to jump through that in the last six months you hadn't done this or that they just said screw all that stuff we're going to give housing to anybody who is homeless no preconditions, no requirements. If you have an income, you have to pay either $50 a month or there was some other variable. I don't have it right in front of me, but 50 bucks a month, basically. And if you couldn't afford that, no problem. You still get your housing. Back to you, Paul. Well, that's first a home strategy is what everyone is working on. But what the right wing are telling you is that you're just enabling these drug addicts. And of course, there are some who have turned this offer down, and they go out and find these people. And there is a small percentage of street people, and this is who they find. But finally, Tom, I've used the, um, you know, kind of the martial arts strategy of use your uh, opponent's power against them. And I started noting that the people that, and I've talked to these radio hosts, I said, the people that you're talking to, you're right, they're not from here. Guess where they're from? They're from Kentucky, Tennessee, Kansas, Arkansas, and they're places that are highly already have high opiate addiction problems. And I said, so you know what? Why don't you start convincing these red states that don't have any public programs at all to stop exporting their white trash drug addicts to Seattle? Why don't you have that proposition? Why? Why do you keep saying it's the expand Medicaid in those states? <laughs> but they, yeah, but they won't because they don't have any. Right. They don't have any help for them. And so some of these people actually do come to the West Coast because it's easier to live outside year round than yeah. it is back in the Midwest. Sure. So sure. that is for sure. But they won't acknowledge that. The other thing that I've noticed about the people that they have interviewed is that I've asked, how come they're all white? <laughs> you know, you don't see, almost never do you see a person of color who's a drug-addicted homeless person, at least not any of them that they've interviewed. No, same here in Portland. So of course, I, the populations of Portland and Seattle are overwhelmingly white to begin with. That, that might be true, but if they're coming from other places, which is their right. claim. And they're honestly, coming from the, red states, yeah. Right. And the other thing is, is that because they're just trying to turn this into a same kind of, these are the deplorable people that are coming from either south of the border or coming from somewhere else. Now, I've known other people 
who've said that in every big city, the right-wingers say, yeah, the homeless are coming here. It doesn't matter what big city it is, they say that, because big cities tend to be run by Democrats, by and large. They say, yeah, their liberal policies are causing homelessness. Another thing that they've done is there is a a law professor at Seattle University, I, I won't say her name, but she's a very big advocate for the homeless, and she's been on both of these conservative radio stations. I called her and talked to her, and I said, you know, you got to watch it because you're being set up. They're going to cut your interview into pieces and make it look like you are a big socialist, and they're misusing what you say. They'll cut it and replay it, and sure enough, that's what they did. And I said, they're going to use you, so you got to be careful, because I said, you're not a talk radio aficionado like some of us are. you got to know what you're doing. These guys are not calling you for an honest conversation and an honest interview. They're calling you to set you up. Right. So this is going to be the sales pitch, I think, going into 2020 in a big way at the Trump level. I mean, already it's happening at the state level and it's happening all across the country is going to be there's a lot of homelessness in these cities that are run by Democrats. It's because of the Democrats. The Democrats are socialists. These are socialist policies. The person running for president is a socialist. Now, they'll say this even if it's Joe Biden, is a socialist and advocating socialist policies. And therefore, you've you've got to elect Trump and Republicans who will somehow magically end homelessness by what? You know, stepping on the heads of homeless people? I don't know. That's right. It is true that there are people have run into homeless people who tend to be in some ways problematic. I mean, there's a, a guy who lives right near me who's approached me several times if I'm walking into a 7-Eleven to buy a six-pack of beer. He has hassled me for to give him a beer. In fact, I was coming out of the grocery store a couple of months ago, and he actually started reaching into my cart. Yikes. To say, you know, I, yeah, to, I, he says, I, you know, I'll take some of that. You know, actually, he was reaching for my beer. And they, they said, I'll give you a dollar for one of those beers. And I said, wait a minute, man. I thought you don't have it. He's a problem, right? So everybody runs into one of these, and they're irritating people. So this is a way to get people. Trump's strategy is going to appeal to that kind of annoyance. Now, I don't, okay. you know, I know the guy's got a problem, and he's probably a drug addict. But or I, an that doesn't mean, yeah, or an alcoholic. But that doesn't mean that I don't like the way my city of Kirkland is run. You know, I love the way it's run. Right. Yeah. It's a large issue. It has complex origins. Some of the solutions are fairly straightforward, but you know the federal government is actually dialing back on support for homeless programs in big cities. They're making the problem worse, and then they're going to stand around and say, hey, look at that problem. Paul, thank you very much for sharing your perspective with us. John in Kansas City, Missouri. Hey, John, what's up? Hey, uh, good afternoon, Tom. I would first would like to echo the I mean, you just spoke to. I've been in Seattle 35 years. He is correct about the stations up there. They've been homeless for at least <laughs> the 30 years I've been listening to them. So this mm-hmm. is nothing new. Yeah. But what I mainly called about was I really liked your rift about how they're attacking the cities. And I, while you were speaking, I did a quick Google search focusing on the cities that are dangerous. Right. I looked up to see this, which states were dangerous. And every state, <laughs> the most dangerous states, except for D.C., which isn't a state, are red states. So kind of piggybacking on what the previous gentleman was calling about, <clears throat> they're attacking the city, right? right? But most of these uh, red states, they have the highest crime. You can look it up yourself. I guess that's I had to call you in. Highest crime, lowest education, and 
for me, I want the Democrats. We already know Republicans are going to attack us this way. But we need to stop being meekly, sitting back meekly, and hit them back on how their states are run. Look at Mississippi, Louisiana. They just run neck and neck with you know, first and last, but he was going to be last. Right. Highest infant mortality, highest maternal mortality, lowest education, and it just goes on and on. And very, very high levels of violence. We're also seeing a suicide epidemic in rural America and in red states. John, thank you for that. I appreciate the call. Mick in Burton, Washington. Hey, Mick, what's on your mind? Good morning, Tom. Thank you for taking my call. You're welcome. You are uh, an inspiration to me. And I also live in a small or tiny domicile, which is an RV. Mm-hmm. And the reason for calling was initially when you started about homelessness, I immediately caught my ear because I go up and down the West Coast in my RV and experience discrimination because I'm a senior tourist, not a homeless person. I can go to a place and put my RV there and not be bothered. What I'm finding is that each town is discriminating against people who have older RVs, who uh, by no choice of their own, like myself, I have a 40-year-old RV with only 50,000 miles on it, and it's uh, able to go up and down the West Coast, and yet I still get harassed by the authorities because I find myself in places where they aren't going to tolerate older RVs in the area. So my question to you is, since you live aboard, do they discriminate in the marina where you live against older boats being there? Well, I haven't lived in that marina for a year and a half, two years, but we lived there in D.C. I'm in Portland now. But there was sort of a minor caste system, but no, broadly speaking, no, that's not the case. I'll tell you a personal story here, Mick, and we live in a house now, Louise and I, and three weekends ago, an older RV parked in front of our house, literally right in front of our house, and around one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning, these people were partying loud in their RV, and in the morning, it was gone, but there was a bag of trash that was strewn all over our yard, including several syringes. Now, you know, I don't know if they were used for insulin or if people were shooting up to get high, but there were a couple, literally a couple of syringes in my front yard. And the buzz around our neighborhood is that this is a local group of young homeless people who have acquired a cheap old RV, and uh, they're just parking it in different places every night, and we're not the only ones to be concerned about it. How do you think that You know, I mean, with this happening, how should people be responding to this? Well, I have actually heard of the very same things from the authorities in towns where, like, no matter whether it's Astoria or it's Santa Cruz, California, or it's Berkeley or it's uh, Seattle. This was Portland. Yeah, Portland's actually pretty good. It actually is more tolerant of the homeless. Yeah. Well, it seems like, you know, maybe for people who are living in RVs, we should have, you know, a facility where they can go park and empty their trash and whatnot. Absolutely. Have them more tolerance in the towns where that's going to happen. Yeah, there you go. Mick, thanks a lot for the call. Uh, It's nice to hear. Yeah, I appreciate it. Tony in Portland. Hey, Tony, you wanted to talk about homelessness. I'm one of those few people that you don't see sleeping in doorways. I sell street routes every single day. Mm Mm-hmm. 
I show up, I treat it as a job, and I deal with this every day. I mean, I have a dog and, you know, I carry everything with me. And what I see is people crossing the street. They will see me, they will cross the street, go down the block, and then cross to the other side of the street that they were walking on because that's the path they were going to begin with. And it's tough. I mean, it's it's a hard thing to deal with, but you have to understand that not everybody out there is a nutball. Right. I mean, no, that was just, my point you, you earlier. The, the vast majority of homeless people are not nutballs. But Tony, what? Right. Where do you sleep at night? I have a porch. I have some friends because I sell street routes, so I meet a lot of people, and I mm-hmm. got a porch that I can sleep on. And I usually only use it when it's raining or it's crappy out. For sure. the most part, I just you know I have other places I can sleep. How'd you end up homeless, I don't Tony? Sleep I blew my knee out playing basketball with teenagers, and I wasn't on the job. I had a job at the time, but when I blew my knee out, it, you know, I can't get any workman's comp for playing basketball with teenagers. You know, I'm going to be right. 50 in a month, and so, you know, this happened back in 2012. So, what kind of resources are available to you? Is there are there any agencies or places in Portland where you can actually get housing? Well, at my age, it seems to be when you're 55 and older, that's when you have opportunities. But I blew my knee out when I was 42, and it just there, there's a certain age bracket that seems in Portland as far as housing. And once you hit the age of 55, you can get access to all different kinds of things. Huh. But I don't have that access. And, yeah. and, and then the waiting list is very long. What's really, really drives me crazy is that if I could have just got surgery on my knee, I would have been back to work. Wow. You know, I I work construction. I can't crawl around attics and roofs and stuff with a blown out knee. Right. And so, and then if I could have just got surgery on my knee, I would have been back to work probably in six months. But you didn't have health insurance? Is that the deal? No, I didn't have, I was, you know, subcontractor working right. construction. So you, I didn't have so you insurance. Had a benefit, and, free and job. It, yeah. yeah, I mean, if I, I could have easily blown my knee out on the job, and then I would have got workman's comp, they would have fixed me up, I would have been back to work in six months. But right. because I blew it out playing basketball, you got screwed. I'm done. Amazing. Yeah. Tony, I wish you well. Those newspapers at Street Roots here in Portland, right, is the name? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've been selling since 2013. Yeah, they're all over the country. In fact, when I lived in D.C., I spent a day selling those papers with a bunch of local homeless people in D.C. as a promotion for them. I mean, they were using using my doing that to promote the, the newspaper. It's, it's a really great thing. It's a, a great program, a solid program. Tony, I wish you the very best. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Good luck, Tony. So picture your face in the mirror. See all those wrinkles around your eyes, crow's feet, large under eye bags? Now imagine they're gone. I'm not talking about some risky, expensive surgery. Just gone in minutes. It's called Plexiderm, clinically studied serum that visibly eliminates your wrinkles, crow's feet, and under eye bags in minutes. It's the edge you've been looking for. Don't believe it? I didn't either until I tried it. Now I don't have to imagine anymore. My under eye bags, wrinkles, and crow's feet were gone in minutes. The best part is Plexiderm goes on clear so nobody will know you're using it. Unless, of course, you tell them 
and the effects last for hours. Go to triplexiderm.com and use my code TOM, T-H-O-M, for half off, 50% off, plus an additional $10 off. That's right, 50% off plus an extra 10 bucks off. Plexiderm is backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee. Get rid of your wrinkles, under-eye bags, and crow's feet today. Visit triplexiderm.com and use the code TOM, T-H-O-M, at checkout. That's triplexiderm.com or call 1-800-685-1292. Bill in Albany, Georgia. Hey, Bill, what's up? Hey, Tom, how you doing? Good. Uh, about this homeless thing. I've been homeless twice in my life. I'm a disabled vet. And so a lot of what they're saying about the homeless also has to do with a lot of veterans. Mm -hmm. And that is a major problem. And so, they, you know, Republicans are going to get nailed for that. And I want to make another point of, one, the best way to attack Trump is to boycott everything Trump. If people stop buying Trump or going to Trump places and... But what's happening, or, or what's, what's happening Bill, is that tr Trump's followers are supporting, you know, are showing up. I mean, you know, the Trump Hotel, uh, Trump Hotels all over the country, uh, or Trump properties all over the country, those that haven't taken the Trump name off, which is several of them, the rest of them, they're, they're doing well just because right-wingers are saying, hey, let's go to the Trump place and support Trump. Yeah, but that, that one they said that wherever that place is, Mar the other yeah. thing, and then in Florida, Palm Beach, Florida. The, both of them Trump uh, hotels are losing a lot of money. And if, the more Trump loses money, the more mistakes he's going to make trying to get that money back. Yeah, yeah, Doral was losing money down near Miami, and that's why he, right. I think that's why he pitched it for the G7. Robin, in uh, Poto, Oklahoma, am I saying that right, Robin? Yeah, that's right, Tom. Hey, what's up? I was gonna, I was gonna gripe about. Well, we had my husband had a very bad medical emergency, and he's doing okay. So you know, he got home finally so far. But we owe, we have Medicare and Medicaid, and we still owe like thousands of dollars. How much? Thousand, about fifteen thousand or something like that. Yeah. Wow. It's like. And we live on because we're retired. Right. We don't get that much money. Right. So. So how are you dealing with that debt, uh, Robin? Uh, I'm having a yard sale, trying to sell off some stuff, you know? Oh, my. To pay for your medical bills? Yeah. Yeah. This is wrong. You know, we get. I mean, this yeah, is the richest know, country in the world. You've got Bill Gates is worth $70 billion or something like that. And. People are having yard sales to cover their medical expenses. This is wrong. Yeah, and we get like fifteen bucks for food stamps. That's it. Fifteen. So I mean, fifteen. Wow. So. Well, Trump wants they, to take that know, away too, you know. Yeah, we go to like the DHS, and they go. They act like they're really giving us a lot of money, and we keep telling them, "Yes, but we only get fifteen dollars." So the rest of the we used to have to use the money, some of our money, to buy food. Right. Is that $15 a week or a month? For the month. Wow. That's incredible. For the month. That's yeah. incredible. Robin, uh, thank you. I need to uh, okay. I need to move along okay. with other colleagues, but thank you so much. Okay. Please tell that woman to get out of there. 
from the, the way the woman with the controlling oh. husband yeah that that was a heartbreaking yeah. call i i agree with you robin robin thank you so much oh god yeah. okay good talking to you thank, thank you jody in venice beach california hey jody what's up we have a huge problem in our neighborhood i mean just down the street from me because we have a lot of homeless people they come down to the beach you know because it's open space and at least they can camp out and do that sort of thing and it seems as though the only way that we can get additional housing for these people is through deals with big developers. The city will not do anything that doesn't involve a big development with big developers. Right, because they're, paying the, they're paying the freight for the politicians who are running the city. Absolutely. And then here's the thing. There are over 9,000 properties that the city of Los Angeles owns within the county of Los Angeles. Some of those properties are hotels, motels, apartment buildings, empty lots that already are, are prepped for uh, electrical and uh, sewage and water. Mm -hmm. And why we can't refurbish some of these places and you know not every place has to be wheelchair accessible as mm. long as you have enough places available for people who have wheelchairs right, right. so and then tiny homes fifty fifty thousand dollars with sixty thousand dollars would buy you you know a luxurious tiny home you could put clusters on empty lots and have you know little developments in a in a residential area like mine yeah Instead of building, you know, a six-story building with $200 million, it's going to house maybe 150 homeless people. Right. And then in 10 years, and I'll just finish after this, in 10 years what will happen is the developers will come back to the city and say, you know, the finances of this don't work for us anymore. We need to make some of these affordable units um, market rate. Right. We're going to turn and them into condos or we're going to jack up. Yeah, and now yeah. they have million-dollar units, state-of-the-art, that they can sell at top dollar. Yeah, they did that dance in New York City uh, over the course of the last 20 years <laughs> very, very enthusiastically. I've, I've seen it, uh, and a friend of mine who saw it firsthand in his, in his own neighborhood. Jody, thank you for the call. Well said. Rick in Doylestown, Pennsylvania. Hey, Rick, what's on your mind today? You're very right about the thing about the homeless people. Actually, the show Adam Rumors Everything did a whole thing about that and talked about how, if we really want to, we could eliminate homelessness. And my point, too, is there's an article in my local paper, that is the Philadelphia Inquirer, a two-page article about how hospitals are suing people. You know, normally it would be uh, they write off the uh, operation they had, and people were having to declare bankruptcy and losing their homes. But according to the paper, at least, the people are doing it without a, a judgment from a court. I don't know if that's possible, but the fact that they're suing people yeah. and people are losing their homes. Yeah, and, and it's not just that they're doing that, Rick. If you dig down into those articles, and I've read a couple of them, I'm sorry, I don't remember the name of the hospital. It was a specific hospital chain that's been really uh, I aggressive. think it was Virginia? Could be. I, you know, I, I, I don't want to say for sure because I don't have the paper in front of me. And, okay. All right. and, and I, you know, I would like this show to be fact-checkable. But I did read the articles about that, and the one thing that I caught was that one of the reasons why the hospital that used to write off these expenses you know, from their profits or their revenues or whatever and is now going out and suing people is that there is a for-profit, basically, debt collector company 
that has made hospitals their specific area of expertise. And so they're going to the hospitals saying, you know, we'll collect the, the debt on your behalf. And I'm sure that they're getting a good chunk of the action. In fact, maybe the majority of the action. And, and I, it's just, it's tragic that in the United States of America, the richest country on earth, that people are going bankrupt because they got sick. It's, it literally does not happen in Canada. It doesn't happen in any European country. It doesn't happen in several Central and South American countries where they have the equivalent of Medicare for all. It only happens here. Tom Harbin here with you, and let's check in with Talk Media News and find out what's going on in the world today. This news report brought to you by GoatsForTheOldGoat.com and Loving What You Do, Ellen Ratner's book. On the line with us is Doug Christian. Hey, Doug, what's the top news? Hey, Tom. All right, well, there was a mystery solved, and that is, why was Trump going to New Mexico today? And that problem has been solved, and it turns out that he is actually initiating a New Mexico strategy, get this, to actually go after Hispanic voters right. and voters that don't have traditionally not voted for Republicans. And I mean, it's a pretty astonishing gambit. I do not know how he came up with that. I think there's going to have to be a lot of reporting on that, but yeah. that's the news. That's I would be on. willing to bet, given the most Hispanics are Catholic, that the largest part of his pitch to Hispanics is going to be abortion. But I could be wrong. But yeah, I, I think that's a very good guess, actually. I think that's a very good It'll guess. It'll be interesting to see. Um, what else is going on? And of course, the UAW strike is hitting Washington politics hard. Trump had promised during the campaign that there was not going to be one plant closed and that manufacturing jobs were going to be coming back. And uh, already 14,000 jobs have been lost over at five plants of GM. And 14,000? There have been 14,000 jobs lost since Trump became president? Just with GM? Yes. And these are presumably plants that are closing so that the GM can manufacture in Mexico or elsewhere, right? Exactly. Because their sales are up and their profits are up. Their profits are way up. And this is the big resentment that workers feel. They feel like they're not getting the, any of the profits. It's all going to the stockholder. And that's one of the biggest complaints for the strike right now, is they said, we deserve that. And what GM is saying, look, is we predict a slowdown. We don't want to be capitalizing too much right now because we see this coming. And of course, an irony of this is that one of the reasons there is a perhaps a likely global slowdown is due to trade wars and tariffs. Yeah. But that's another issue. However, this strike could go on for quite a while because workers, UAW feels pretty strongly about this. Right. And these people have and a strong not- union that's they're paying $250 a day in strike benefits, as I recall. UAW must have built up a war chest to get ready for this. This is fascinating stuff. What else is going yeah, on, Doug? It really is. 49,000 people are on strike. Yep. Right now, we've got the Iran. Perhaps it's an Iran strike. Perhaps it's a Houthi strike. Although, it was a very sophisticated strike because they had to get through uh, Saudi defenses. But, of course, the question is, if we're going to starve a country, what are they going to do? Are they going to fight back? Maybe they will. Uh, Apparently, they have. Well, yeah. And, of course, the Saudis are encouraging us to go lose our people to go fight their war against the Iranians because the Persians and the Saudis and the Arabs have never liked each other. They yeah. consider themselves mortal enemies. Well, it's also Shia uh, and Sunni as well as Persian yeah. versus Arab. 
Yeah, exactly. It's both. And then, of course, Jerry Nadler, chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, has just thrown cold water on any Democratic wish to impeach Brett Kavanaugh, I think, that he wants to keep his eye on the ball. He doesn't want to lose that. Yeah, and I don't blame him for that. What's come out is pretty awful, but it looks like the whole... I mean, there was a piece, I think it was in this morning's Washington Post, about how the whole process, you know, that whole process lasted only a week or two. And the reason why the Republicans were hustling it so fast was twofold. Number one, they didn't want it to go over the 2018 midterms because they were afraid they might lose the Senate and then they wouldn't have the Kavanaugh nomination. And number two, they were afraid that if it extended for even one more week, that more witnesses would come forward saying that Justice Beerbong Weenie Waver had done it to somebody else. And sure enough, that's what's coming out now. Well, big irony, because of course, when Merrick Garland was nominated by Barack Obama, Republicans were willing to wait over a year before they were able to nominate somebody. But then when Kavanaugh gets nominated, they want to hurry this right through. One last thing in that is that there's been this debate within the White House about Israeli, alleged Israeli spying on sensitive sources within the White House. This is amazing, Doug. I was talking about this on the air when I lived in D.C. because whenever I walked by the White House, my phone would heat up. And I turned on the, I've got a little app that measures, you know, how much data is going out of your phone. And it just would explode whenever I was within four or five blocks of the White House. And I said, there's a stingray there. There is one of those devices that does a man-in-the-middle attack. You think you're talking to a cell tower and you're not. And I was talking about this on the air. And it turns out, I assumed it was the FBI. Turns out it was the Israelis, at least according to this report. Yeah, this report, that's what they said. Well, in my computer, I I could see it's been hacked into over at the White House. I could feel it. I don't know who's doing it. Frankly, I don't care. I mean, what do they want to take? I yeah, mean, yeah. I, I mean, I do no, care. It's, but. It's, it's pretty amazing. Pretty amazing stuff. Doug, yeah. thanks a lot for the report today. Doug Christian with Talk Media News. Patsy in Arroyo Grande, California. Hey, Patsy, what's up? Uh, hi, Tom. Uh, yeah, I just called to say that, you know, I work with homeless uh, people and poor people at our local food pantry, and I just wanted to suggest before people start, you know, accusing homeless of being some kind of biblical, you know, the new biblical le- lepers, that they should go volunteer in these places to get to uh, know these people. Right. The fact is that they cut across the spectrum, like, you know, in, in any uh, civilization, you know, you've got the criminals and the, the crazy people, but mostly these are people who've been failed by our system, like that carpenter. You know, he, he's been, our system actually has failed them. Uh, a lot of them work, but, you know, they sleep in their cars. You know, it's just, um, yeah. you know, it's just kind of it's all this craziness going on, like with those videos from Como and, uh, you know, San Francisco that have been circulated in my community to, you know, make the homeless into, like I said, these uh, biblical lepers. I find that, uh, well, I did a little research in my community, and I find that 49% of them are children, you know, uh, which means almost half Mm. of them are. 80% actually are from the community. We had an incident of a woman who froze to death after the warming shelters had closed in the spring in the street because she couldn't, you know, get any shelter. So anyway, that's basically all I wanted to say is I wish people would just go out and volunteer and get to know these people and get to see where our system is failing them. Yeah, it would be a good start. Patsy, thank you. Thank you for sharing your story. I appreciate it. Bob in Westminster, Colorado. Hey, Bob, what's up? How you doing, Tom? Good. Well, I started thinking about a lot of these same things back in 1981 or two when Reagan took office, and I realized what he was up to. Anyway, I worked yeah, we, for the homeless. We did shelter. not have homeless people on the streets prior to the Reagan administration that I remember. I mean, I you know, not not really. I, I was. Anyway, I was gonna... Anyhow, go ahead. Yeah. 
I was assigned there to do a day labor operation. I did that for four years, and I supervised someone else for the previous six. And I haven't, you know. And the thing of it is, and a lot of them are, you know, there because of you know adverse circumstances. And the thing of it is, is that uh, just real quick, we had some group out of Yonkers, New York. They were professionals in the homeless thing, and they were saying basically that if you are even healthy and you're out on the street for more than six months, you develop a syndrome that also has to be treated when you go back to work. Which is what? Uh, they didn't. It was in a training. You're talking mental or physical? It's a mental thing that basically it, it does something that causes you to lose faith or hope or something. And they didn't go into it in real detail. We were oh, in a seminar. Uh, it's probably shelter, some variation anyway. of PTSD. Like a PTSD, yeah. yeah. That's what they were saying, I think, basically. But the thing of it is, I did that for, was involved with it and did it for 10 years. And uh, it was one of the most you know, interesting and challenging and greatest experience of my life, really, outside of my tour in Vietnam. But the thing of it is, uh, I, we, it was uh, really something I value even today because I learned so much working with these people and how incorrect most of the rhetoric is about them. Yeah. Well, I, I'm telling you, Sinclair and Fox and Right Wing Hate Radio are doing everything they can to demonize homeless people. Bob, thanks a lot. You wouldn't for the know call. they were homeless if they were on the street, by the way. Yeah. I've encountered quite a few of them. Bob, thank you for the call. Doogie in Chicago. Hey, Doogie, what's up? Hi, Tom. First time calling. You're my last hope for sanity. Please don't leave us. I won't. We've got 30 seconds, though, Doogie, to the end of the show. Yes, so what I want to say is November 4th of last year in Kansas City, Missouri, there was a group called Free Hot Food KC, and they were serving hot food to uh, the homeless in the park, and the health department and police came to shut them down and poured bleach on the food. This is ridiculous. I mean, I wanted to bring that out. I mean, this is what the red states do, but they vilify the homeless people and then the church people. Just tell them that, you know, Jesus was a liberal. Feed the homeless. Feed the poor, houseless, give them shelter. Yeah, yeah, amen. Yeah, it was one of Jesus' instructions in Matthew 25. It actually was. Doogie, thank you for the call. I shouldn't say that with a smile. I mean, it's just, I'm just thinking of all these people who claim that they're Christians, particularly the Republicans. Anyway, thanks so much for being with us today. What a fascinating day. We'll be back tomorrow. More of the same, same place, same, same bat channel. And in the meantime, don't forget, democracy is not a spectator sport. It really does require your help. Get out there and get active. Tag, you're it. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com. Guys, let's talk about sex. Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color. BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know that they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they can work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. If you could benefit from extra function and more confidence where it counts, Blue Chew is the fast and easy way to enhance your performance. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. 
Made in the USA. Blue Chew prepares and ships direct. They're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use the special promo code TOM, T-H-O-M. All you pay is $5 for shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W, BlueChew.com. Use the promo code TOM, T-H-O-M, to try it free. Blue Chew is better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring our podcast. <laughs> 